0: This is going to take some editing.
1: It is going to take some editing, but that's okay. Tired. So tired. Tired. You are listening to Overtired on ESN with Insomniac's Christina Born and Brett Terpstra. How's it going, Brett? I am alive. You are alive. So for listeners at home, Brett and I were going to record a couple of times over the weekend and then things just got mismatched and we were going to record on Monday night and I got a panicked, well to me I read it as panicked, I don't think he was actually panicking, but I got kind of a a scary text from Brett and uh, tell me about it, Brett, tell me what happened. Uh,
0: Well, I still don't know, but it's happening again right now. Okay. Okay, so (laughs) there's so much, like three days of insomnia, probably were the precursor. Okay. But then, all of a sudden, yesterday afternoon, my vision, everything started shaking and moving, and I couldn't, I couldn't read a screen, I couldn't, uh, couldn't work, and my head was spinning and it felt like I was falling, like vertigo kind of feeling. And I, I decided to wait it out, just, you know, see what happened, and five hours later, I decided I should probably go to the emergency room when things hadn't changed at all. And they told me nothing. Well, actually, once they assured me I wasn't having a stroke, and that all my other, all my normal body functions were fine. I declined further tests and just went home to see what happened. But I still, I don't know. I don't know what what's happening or what happened or why. I and I'm on so many meds right now that it's probably some interaction that they can't even track down.
1: That sucks. Like I, I don't know what else to say other than like that totally sucks and sounds and sounds totally scary. Like I, I yeah. You're you're I, a brave guy.
0: Well, it, it 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 looks and feels like being like you know when you get to that point where you're drunk enough that you have to stare at a corner of the room to keep from vomiting. Yes. But then you have to close your eyes and then you have to open them real fast. It feels like that, but without the nausea. Huh. But what I I say that because I, I'm I've been through that enough times that I I can deal with it. Not that I get that drunk anymore, but right there were years of my life. <laughs>
1: No, that's always one of those periods where, yeah, when you're that drunk, where you're literally like having to focus on something exactly. The room does feel like it's spinning. You've got to close and open your eyes. I know exactly what you're talking about. You described it perfectly. And I think
0: normal people would probably be thinking at that point, I'm never drinking again.
1: Yeah, I guess. I maybe this says a lot about me. I don't think that was ever been my reaction. Like it's it's a terrible feeling. But, you know, it's kind of like when you're on a roller coaster a little bit. Uh, But... I, I don't think – usually I'm not thinking about like, damn it, Christina, why did you drink this much? I'm more like, get the room to stop spitting so that I can pass out and go to sleep.
0: Yeah. my I, I always start analyzing how I can do it better next time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to be like, all right, what, what what did I do wrong? How can I drink more next time so that I don't <laughs> puke?
0: Uh, so one of the things they suggested to me that might be happening is hyperventilation due to stress. Okay. Which – put me on this weird track because I don't think of myself as stressed out. I, I don't think of myself as someone who worries excessively about anything. But then I started counting through, like, the things that have been on my mind for the last week and, like, all the things I feel like I'm failing at and all of these things that I started realizing, holy crap, I am really stressed. I don't know if that's causing this, but it made me realize that I definitely have stress in my life.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly not helping it in, 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 in any event. I can't talk. I can't.
0: I can't I, see, I can't talk much uh, when this first starts happening. When it started happening again today, I started uh, slurring my S's and everything, which is why I originally thought I might be having a stroke. Right. They're like, you're not having a stroke. As soon as like the lady, the check-in lady at the ER immediately said, you're not having a stroke. <laughs> and then I felt silly.
1: Well, no, but I did did that help reduce some of your stress? Because I have to think that that almost makes the stress worse. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going on with your body. You're freaked out. And that's going to make things that much more stressful.
0: I made a conscious decision in that moment to ignore her and wait for someone with a medical degree to say the same thing. And then I would uh, decide how to feel about it.
1: Okay. But once you heard that from someone with a medical degree, did you feel better? Yeah.
0: Actually, I did feel better. I, I felt like... At least I know that my worst fears are not at all founded. And so I, I just kind of decided to ride with it. And I, I, I was less uh, paranoid about it at that point. So then I could start analyzing it more closely. and You know, maybe eventually come to a conclusion. But...
1: <laughs> maybe eventually.
0: Yeah. So tell me what's going on this week.
1: Uh, with me or, or with pop culture in general or what? what? What's
0: important? What's more important? You or pop culture?
1: Well, I'm going to see Bob's Burgers live this week oh, in Washington, D.C. that came D.C. to
0: Minneapolis and I didn't go.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was not able to get tickets to the New York show. I think I could have emailed and probably gotten access at the Beacon Theater. And I might still do that because it's on Saturday. We'll see how good it is in D.C. But I wanted to make sure that I could get tickets to go. So we bought tickets in Washington DC and then we're take, we're so we're taking the train out there. We're just doing like a one-day quick stop thing. It's going to be the most expensive like one-day trip you could imagine. With what? hotel and and Amtrak, it's going to be like $800, but it'll be worth it.
0: Bob's Burgers live would be awesome. You know what I want to see? What's that? Archer live.
1: Yes. Yes, no. I'm hoping kind of that that H. John Benjamin does some Archer stuff, um, just for the fans, because you know I think the crossover is strong with that one. But no, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to. Uh, did you see actually the the Archer intro with yes. the Bob's Burgers people? Yes. That's so good.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. That
1: was amazing. Like that was so good, um, and and just seeing everybody drawn in the Archer style was really really fantastic. Definitely. No, I uh I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a good time, I think. Um I've read good reviews of the show and um I, you know, we, I I love Bob's Burgers. It's uh for Grant's birthday. His birthday was last month, but I bought the tickets and I guess like December. Um whenever they went on sale.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember thinking that I should go buy them now and then I didn't. Tell me how it is, though.
1: I will. I will. On next podcast, we will have a full review of uh, Bob's Burgers Live for uh, those of you who are into that kind of thing, Um, which I think is most of our audience. So that's, that's pretty good.
0: See, once again, I'm realizing that what I think is just universally popular is not always the case.
1: Yeah. I mean, although I think Bob's Burgers has kind of become universally loved by people with taste.
0: Did Last Man on Earth get canceled already?
1: I think it might have. I don't. Because
0: they started doing two episodes a week already.
1: Yeah, I think it did get canceled.
0: Um... Yeah. I, I was really... Okay, so when, it first, when the first ads came out, I was really intrigued. I was like, let's do a whole TV series with one guy and no laws or rules. It could be fun, but I, I thought, yeah, you could get maybe three episodes out of that. But then immediately they start adding new characters. And every week they're adding new characters, and it's getting—it's starting to feel like a comedic version of Revolution.
1: Yeah, it kind of is. So it is not; it has not been canceled. Hmm.
0: They just—I I don't it. have high hopes for it at this point, though.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, they've got—they've got you know, thirteen episodes scheduled. We'll see. Its ratings are okay, but they're not fantastic. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I, I kind of feel like this—this—this this, this kind of does feel like one of those one-season show things to me though
0: that's what i thought about undateable yes but it came back and it's so good i love that show i haven't seen that i'll have to watch it it's it's like it's like uh kitschy laughs laugh track uh half improv comedians doing a show like a cheer style bar show and it is it's hilarious those guys are so funny especially if you watch the uh blooper reels Okay, on Hulu, they're awesome.
1: I will do that. What I've actually been re-watching on Hulu this week is um I've been watching i've I've been going back through community for the first time in a really long time.
0: Let's see. I think I stopped halfway through the very last season but watched it religiously up until then yeah it was it was a great show like and then I think they hit a point where they started having to get kind of meta,
1: yeah, they kept doing the the, the save Glendale sort of thing, which was I mean. Honestly, I get doing that. Arrested Development did that with the Save Our Bluths campaign and things like that. <laughs> uh, but it was funny when Arrested Development did it because it was 2003. And, you know, it, it made sense to a certain extent. Um, with this, or 2004, I guess, 2005, whatever it was. But with this, yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it's done really well online, which is why I think it makes sense for it to be coming back on Yahoo. Uh, we'll see how well it does and, and how well it holds up on Yahoo and what they can you know, do it with. I feel like this is probably its it's last shot, though. It either works, unless it's like a, a big, huge hit. You know, this is pretty much it. And and probably, honestly, the stars at this point are probably like, you know what? We've given this however many years. Yeah. Let us out of our contract so we can go make movies. Go back or, to making
0: Talk Soup or something. Well,
1: he's still doing Talk Soup, but yeah.
0: Yeah. But he's not really focused on it, right? Because he has to do community.
1: Well, I mean, I he, think Talk Soup he probably just walks in and reads, you know, does some one-off things but you know it's other people who are doing that i i i can't imagine the talk soup takes a ton of time
0: do you still watch talk soup
1: i haven't in a long time but i used to religiously
0: yeah i used to love it but i don't know if i changed or it changed well it went through a few different hosts
1: oh no it's actually the soup we're both getting it wrong because it went talk soup where it was originally greg kinnear then it was a a john henson then it was hal sparks then it was aisha tyler yes
0: that uh, was aisha was my favorite point in Talk soup.
1: Mine was Greg Kinnear, but Aisha was a close second. Yeah. Greg Kinnear was really good. Um, and then he got a movie career, an Oscar nomination. And it was really funny because I remember seeing him on the E! red carpet getting interviewed by his former co-workers who were so proud and, like, you could tell just, like, shocked they're interviewing a guy that used to be at the desk, like, next to them. Um, which I, I have to I have to think that would be a really cool, like, moment.
0: Or one that makes you reconsider your own life choices.
1: Well, probably both, but I think it'd be really cool for for Greg Kinnear to be, you know, interviewed. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, kind yeah, of do, yeah, you know,
0: for sure, for sure.
1: To kind of be at that point where you're like, "Yep," and this is, you know. Um, but no, I, I love the Aisha Tyler uh, era, and I, I also, uh, but I really like the Soup. And to this day, I mean, I know she's dead, so it's not as funny. But but you know, Whitney Houston's "Kiss My Ass." Yes! like that's still like one of the greatest like one line things ever when youtube first came out i think that was actually one of the first clips i ever added to a playlist of something because i was just like i love this clip so much (laughs) it's never it's it's never not funny frankly
0: so back to community yeah when did uh this is going to be a stupid question but when did yahoo start doing streaming
1: (sighs) they've done it for a while and it's been kind of a weird initiative that they've tried a couple of times to do, this is one of their first really big, you know, like acquisitions for their Yahoo screen thing. But they've had a couple of series over the years. They did something with Tom Hanks, they did something with Anthony Azucor, they did something with um, one of the other creators of CSI. And, um, but this is like their their really first big kind of established brand play um, to, to be like, hey, we've got the money, because they do, but they have Alibaba money. And we have the audience, and they—they they actually do. Um, let's try to see if we can turn our Yahoo screen platform into something that could take on Hulu or Netflix or YouTube. And uh, I mean, they, like they have a lot of the rights to to SNL clips and things like that. I mean, you know, you can watch current episodes on Hulu, but most of the back clips are available only on Yahoo. And they get a bunch of movie trailers. But uh, this is kind of their first really big big attempt at kind of trying to see can we get. A big group of people interested in watching you know yahoo content
0: what, what platforms are they on right now
1: um it's on everything you know it's on the web yahoo screen is on ios i think it's on android i don't know if they have like the the set top box apps or whatever um but you can use airplay um on the apple tv
0: see that is that is one step too much work for me to care
1: yeah i mean but unless it's, they had
0: something really compelling
1: yeah, um, I mean, they they might have um, maybe they'll have a, a, a Apple TV app coming. Who knows? Um, but um, you know, as it stands now, you know, you can do it on your iPad or on your iPhone without a problem, and on the web browser. So,
0: yeah, we'll see about that.
1: Yeah, no, but I mean, uh, uh, basically, a uh, Pasha Brewster is joining this season, and the only person who didn't come back who was you know there before was uh, Shirley, um, that actress Yvette Brown. Um, her father is apparently sick, I think, and so she's um, taking time off to to be with him, which obviously, you know, those are more important things if you've got sick family members then you're doing a, a TV show you've been doing for six years or however long it's been on the air. So our exclusive sponsor this week is the Omni Group.
0: I heard in March that they started introducing new universal iOS apps to the whole world and that the only one left to go is OmniFocus, which should be out very, very soon.
1: So we should note that these are all free updates. For everyone who owned version 2 of the iPad versions of the apps, all you need is iOS
0: 8. And there's a free OmniSync server set up now. So all of the documents for all of these apps live on your iPad, your iPhone, and your Mac.
1: Are you new to Omni apps? It's okay. We're here for you.
0: So you've got OmniGraphle, which is for vector-based diagramming, wireframing, drawing, all that kind of stuff.
1: You've got the Omni Outliner, which is for outlining, like it says, everything from grocery list to long-form writing to all the amazing things that happen inside Brett's brain and all the weird stuff that he dreams about.
0: Yes. And then you have OmniPlan, which is a project management solution that's easy and it has a ton of options to make it work with your workflow and uh, and share your data.
1: And the the crown jewel, well, okay, that's not really In fair. my opinion, all- it is. Yeah. I mean, okay. You know what? Look, they're all amazing. Like, Truly, I'm an Omni fangirl. And not just because they're the exclusive sponsors this week. I genuinely love Omni stuff. But I think for all of us, the ah, product is OmniFocus, which is for task management. And it is one of the best task management apps out there. You can go with GTD methodology, or you can just do your own thing. And if you're like Brett, you can write tons and tons of custom scripts to work with it on the Mac and a lot of that stuff works on iOS as well because they've got all kinds of, of support for third-party extensions and and other fun stuff like workflow
0: and instant sync very reliable no hassle sync and going universal with the iOS apps is a big deal because free syncing across iOS devices of all sizes and your Mac is huge Christina this is huge this is like Kanye and Taylor going into the studio together. Huge.
1: It, it, it really is pretty epic. I mean, it's it as you said, it is Kanye and Taylor, but with software. Also, we hear that they've got uh, Apple Watch extensions in the works too. So, you know, you can get your GTD on
0: on your wrist. I honestly can't think of anywhere better to have a good task manager than on my wrist.
1: No, genuinely, like I've been thinking about that, like for time tracking and for other stuff, like genuinely, like there are so many good uses for the wrist where you don't want to have to pull your phone out. But you can just be like, hey, this task is done, and I can go on to the next thing. And you don't have to be worried about being tethered to a device if you're doing something that isn't necessarily on your screen.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And uh, and all of Omni's apps come with a 30-day guarantee, so just go try them. You'll love them.
1: You will totally love them. I mean, I, I love stuff like I kind of get into wireframing with OmniGraffle, and I'm not doing anything that I need to wireframe. I just like it. It's just a fun app. It's just really awesome. Um, but we would love to thank the Omni Group for exclusively sponsoring Overtired this week so that we, you know, and Moises, can sleep a little more. So why is Code Poet, aka Christian Heilman and, and Dan Brakes, <laughs> why are they ha- haunting your dreams? I see this on there, and like, it's a, it's weird to me because I know Christian, um, and, and we've we've uh we met each other at a, a web conference in two thousand eight, I think was the first time I ever met him. And uh I try to see him every time he's in town or when we are at um other events and I've met Dan before. But why are these why are why why is my friend why is Christian in your dreams?
0: That that is that is the question, really. Um because I've never met him and I, I read his stuff, but I don't know him and all of the sudden Uh, after after my little three night stint of of unintentional insomnia the night that i slept he was like my neighbor (laughs) and we were talking in the driveway like all the time about trials and tribulations and he was he was like helping me with problems in my like personal life not tech stuff
1: (laughs) he was your wilson
0: yeah he was he was like my buddy and then yeah and then dan frake's Kept showing up, and it was like these people from my internet life showing up in my like real world. Like it's like a Matrix kind of thing. I don't know.
1: That would be a really cool sitcom, I have to say.
0: It, it maybe.
1: Like I think that would actually work as a sitcom. Actually, you know, where you have like people that you know online who just randomly show up in your regular life, and you're like, hey, so what should I do about this? You know, like it'd be a funny kind of surrealist show.
0: I, it might be a short. I don't know if it could make a series.
1: That's true. Maybe not, maybe not a, maybe not a series, but a short, but uh, yeah. So like
0: Twitter it, followers just start coming to life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That'd be funny. Just like see them kind of appear out of the ether and then disappear again.
0: I'm very Jungian kind of like every Twitter user represents some archetype in your mind and yeah, they exactly. manifest themselves, yeah.
1: That would be cool. Yeah, no, that's funny though that like basically that 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 the code poet and and Christian Heilman for you guys who don't know, he is uh he was um head kind of evangelist at uh Mozilla and now he is doing the same thing but for um Microsoft or on on um on on their web standards team. He's basically a standards evangelist, and he's um worked for years, kind of in the open web community stuff, really fighting for standards and evangelizing all that stuff. And uh, he's one of a couple of big hires the IE team has made, or Microsoft in general, I guess, has made when it comes to really wanting to like show, hey, we're not just talking, we're not just you know paying lip service. We're actually hiring people who are really well known, and really respected. In the open web community to um, be part of our team, um, which to me shows they're actually thinking about stuff and, and genuinely caring because those sorts of people don't take a job for money you know're they not going to work someplace if they don't believe that they're actually going to have a have the ability unless they believe they have the ability to you know, impact change right. so
0: yeah, no, I know I, I think hiring him is about the best thing any company with a future in the internet could do
1: i i agree completely i mean like he played a really big role in WebRTC, uh which is you know kind of a google project but mozilla helped a lot with it and 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 he played a big role with that and and um you know um he's a really good guy he's a really good guy um and um but i think it's funny that, that you're like dreaming that he's like your wilson from home improvement like giving your, it that's hysterical
0: didn't uh, Microsoft announce like the end of IE?
1: Yeah I mean basically they're they're gonna kind of be retiring the brand I guess going forward they're still gonna have it in Windows 10 ie 11 will be there well i think it's basically i mean i think it's like they're gonna have spartan or whatever it's called it's right now known as project spartan but it might be called something differently as their new browser um but i mean you got to think that for businesses and for government things and people who've built things maybe on ie they need to still have the trident code base there and and ie is not terrible i think at this point they understand that you know the the branding is just is just toxic
0: yeah definitely Maybe, do, you, do you think Christian had anything to do with that?
1: No, I mean I think this was all in the <laughs> works well before. But I think when he, I think he joined probably with the understanding that they were going to be making some really big changes.
0: I'm wondering if that, if that news, like that kind of like crossing my radar, made me start thinking about him though. And I wonder if yeah. that's how he ended up in my dream.
1: It probably did. Probably did because yeah, I mean at this point he's a really you know visible IE person kind of uh, or, or Microsoft web person in our space. So. That is always interesting. I always do wonder that sometimes. I'm like, why am I dreaming about this? Or why am I thinking about that?
0: Well, I woke up with uh, the sax part from Thunder Road in my head. (laughs) And I like started searching back through what my dreams had been. And this this was the next night. And I realized that I had this dream where the E Street band was riding in the back of my car, playing music as I drove. And this was especially odd because I drive a TT and it has no back seat. <laughs> but I was in my TT, and there was an E Street Band, the E Street Band, in my back seat.
1: That's amazing.
0: It's I, I don't usually remember my dreams. I guess that's why these are sticking out so much. It's been odd.
1: I sometimes have weird dreams where I will remember very specific events, um, either either lyrics or um, historical events or, or other things with incredible clarity and incredible precision that shocks even me that makes me just realize just how much our brains must retain because in my dream i'll even be kind of commenting to myself wow that took place however many years ago and you remember all the words or all the you know everything about that moment Uh, and if you were to ask me while i was awake i wouldn't be able to give it to you at all
0: Yeah, no, I've I've had that oh, quite a bit actually. It is amazing how much our subconscious knows that we don't. That we don't know we know.
1: Exactly. It's like how much we truly retain for certain things. I mean, there's certain like especially with with song lyrics and certain things where I'm like I would not be able to answer, you know, or or, or recite something um while lucid, but while asleep, it's all there. And and I know because, you know, I wake up enough, I know that I can kind of like recall I'm like, oh, no, this is actually completely accurate. It's, it's bizarre. Did
0: I ever tell you I used to like in high school, I used to experiment with like uh, forcing lucid dreaming?
1: No, you didn't. But that's that fascinating to me. That will mess me. you up. Yeah, I've tried it a couple of times and I've never really been very good at it. But I've tried it a few times, especially after I saw uh, Link Ladder's film, Waking Life.
0: <laughs> I remember that movie it's a I remember great movie. not thinking it was great
1: I loved the rotoscope style course, I didn't animation. like
0: sliding doors at that point either I sliding but doors now so I do good.
1: I love sliding doors that that movie for me that's the movie that introduced me and the world well actually the world got introduced a little later but that's the movie that introduced me to, to Dido because Thank You was in that movie and that was a guess It was it was a good amount of time before that song became a big hit And, uh, but I remember going out and buying the soundtrack because of that song. I was like, oh, this song is really good. Who is this? And I think she was even credited under her, like, first and last name, like Dido, like, whatever her last name is, like Anderson or something on the soundtrack. Um, and, and it was, you know, another year or so before her, um, debut album came out. And, and it was a long time after that before Thank You blew up thanks to Eminem. And, um, yeah, I love. Really, doors. you think
0: Eminem's to credit for Thank You blowing up?
1: Yes, because he sampled it in Stan. And yeah, Stan I was remember a hit that. First.
0: But but to me that was just like a throwback. I didn't think that. I suppose he probably introduced it to a whole new generation though.
1: Well, no, because the song hadn't been released as a
0: single yet, and so I'd heard it well before that.
1: Well, I had too, but it hadn't. I guess really, it hadn't blown up on like mainstream radio. I guess some of us mm. had heard it, but like it wasn't like the huge hit that it was. Like he sampled it, I think before you know like very early on in, in into his kind of process because i remember seeing her perform actually um not long after um because here with me you know was out yeah. and and that was big um but then i remember like it was like it was just i think it took her on like another plane i guess i guess it was huh. p- kind of big maybe it was big in in, in england but yeah I, mean, I think you're right i think that it kind of had blown up a little bit but it wasn't at the point where it was like literally every radio station everywhere playing it and like I think it was one of the most successful albums for a couple of years running or something. That point,
0: that point where we all went from hey she's a pretty good songwriter to oh my God would she shut up.
1: Yeah, it's like if if I have to hear this song again I'm gonna kill myself. Although I still think it's a great song.
0: No, I do too. I I, I always loved that song. I mean there's uh Sinead O'Connor songs that yeah. I can't listen to much anymore. I don't like um except on rare occasions, but I I still think they're amazing songs, especially that first album.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no. Uh, her uh, Shania Twain's first album was amazing, and I mean, frankly, like you know, she did a Prince song better than Prince, which is not easy to do. She and Cindy Lauper are like in rarefied like company in that
0: regard. Have you ever looked through Prince's uh, the the his what do you call it, the songs you've written but didn't record? Yes. But, like other people recorded writers credits. Yes, he is so prolific. He's so prolific. He's so good. He is. He's. I don't like him as a performer. I don't like him as a person, really. Uh, he's <laughs> a little pretentious for my taste. Although his appearance on New Girl kind of shifted that for me.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say he's really kind of come around, it, and he's always been such a good thing about you know because he, he's Minneapolis, isn't he? Isn't he from Minnesota? Yeah.
0: Well, and I had I have uh, multiple friends who've interned for him, and uh, he's not an easy guy to work for. And I I've been kicked out of Paisley Park, and I just had a lot of bad feelings built up. But he did write many of what we consider to be some of the greatest like pop hits. Totally. He's on the he's he's the writer of of many songs, including uh, uh, Sinead O'Connor's. Nothing compares you. to you. Nothing Noth- compares to you. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. He actually recorded that I think, and it wasn't really a hit for him. And then um, when you were mine from Cyndi Lauper, yep. Um, And she didn't even change the lyrics, um, which which made it well, not no, much better. Well,
0: I mean, isn't he credited on the album?
1: Well, yeah, no, he wrote it and I think he'd recorded it uh, with one of the side groups and didn't do it. You know, he wrote it, but she didn't even change the lyrics, meaning that like from like the, like um, some of the lyrics were were referring to like, you know, like um, it, in her lyrics, it made it seem like her, her boyfriend was, he, she was sharing her boyfriend with his boyfriend yeah, okay. because she didn't change the gender form.
0: See, I never know how I feel about that when when people like opposite gender do covers and yeah. they're, they're, they don't identify as homosexual in any way, but then they use pronouns that just throw that confusion out there. And it, like part of me is like, yeah, that's great respect for the original song. And part of it's like, if you're going to do a cover, make it yours.
1: Right. No, I think in the Sydney Lauper case, I actually don't mind it because she is basically kind of implying that like, he might be bisexual or something, which to me, especially 1983 opens up a whole new dimension <laughs> of interest and kind of like, wow, wh- how cutting edge would she be? And also she probably wouldn't be totally wrong with some of the people she was hanging out with and things like that, you know? It so was it,
0: Cindy Lauper who did, I think we're alone now, wasn't it?
1: No, that was Tiffany,
0: Tiffany, same thing, isn't it? No,
1: no. Tiffany was like Debbie Gibson where Cindy Lauper, you know, did time after time and, and um, all through the night and, and some of like the greatest, like, I mean, Cindy Lauper's album, "She's So Unusual," which came out in 1983, is like one of the greatest albums of all time. Whereas Tiffany was like a, a
0: flash in the pan.
1: Yeah, and she was she was a See, little. I think
0: I just I merged Tiffany into Cindy Lauper. They both cause... had red hair, but that was I mean,
1: but Cindy Lauper was like a punk singer, and like she got kicked out of like she was trying to like perform for she was like opening for Devo, and then they like kicked her out, and like she was in some other bands, and you know, she's punk as hell, like she's amazing. Whereas you know Tiffany was like kind of like a Britney Spears, but more successful. But, you know, came, same sort of redneck family upbringing. You know, mom was very clearly like, smokes five million cigarettes a day. You know, my baby's going to get me rich sort of thing. Huh. And she had, you know, that one big hit. And well, see,
0: and that's, you're talking about, I think we're alone now. Yes. And I grew up in an era where I, I had never heard that song before I thought she had written it. Right. And then I I had this thing for a while where I was just I'd go to garage sales and buy everything they had on vinyl, and then just start pouring through it. And at one point I bought a jukebox, the the innards of a jukebox, <laughs> and over a hundred records of all ages. And one of them was the single from Richie Cordell, right? Like the original '67 version of "I Think We're Alone Now," and it became one of my favorite all time songs. Song. Just not Tiffany's version.
1: No, her version's fine. It's just, uh, you know, but but poor Tiffany. I mean, everybody, when Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were coming out, everybody used to compare them to Tiffany and, and Debbie Gibson because, of course debbie gibson and and tiffany had a rivalry and debbie gibson was clearly more successful um the difference but a lot of people had kind of argued maybe you know tiffany was more talented or whatever in that case i kind of don't think that the analogy goes very far because i think a debbie gibson or deborah gibson as she is now has proven herself to be quite talented she's continued to do broadway and things like that um and and b you know i just um neither of them i mean You know, Debbie Gibson was kind of like Britney Spears, but never reached the sort of like, you know, truly mega, you know, international superstardom, like, you know, ridiculous levels of fame that Britney Spears did. Um, Frankly, I mean, you know, I think even Christina Aguilera, you know, achieved more fame than Debbie Gibson probably did, relatively speaking. But uh, although Debbie Gibson, I believe, is still the youngest person who's credited for – I think like writing, um, composing, editing, producing, like doing everything on one of her own, on, on like a number one, Billboard number one hit.
0: Hmm.
1: She actually, she actually, you know, wrote a lot of her songs and produced them and did things like that, which is pretty impressive, especially as young as she was when she was um, a teen idol.
0: This is random. Uh, you said something at one point that made me think about uh, Tiffany. Is it decent or T- T- Thyssen? Thiessen. Yes, Tiffany Thiessen. Um Uh, Because, like, she came from 90210 and no one would have, like, assumed that she would go on to the career she's had.
1: Well, she was Saved by the Bell and then 90210. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah,
0: but she has proven, like, I never watched those shows. They were never of interest to me. Yeah. But she has, like, I can go back now and say, wow, that's where she started. Totally. Have you seen her new cooking show?
1: I have not, but I've watched her show on USA.
0: I, uh, I I'm interested in seeing her cooking show. I have not yet, but it's supposed to be really. Um... <laughs> She's just so adorable. She
1: is adorable. She Kelly Kapowski is adorable. No, I mean it's funny though because of that show. You know, like you, there were the there were the two that you knew were going to be the successes throughout their careers, and that was Zach and Kelly on on Save at the Bell, anyway. And sure enough, Mark Paul Gosselaar has continued to work as an actor. He had, like, a very brief period of time where he wasn't working, but he was on NYPD Blue, and then he was on um, uh, another show, and now he's on Franklin and Bash, and, um, you know, he's he's been on a lot of big television shows and has continued to work. She's continued to work in TV. You know, Mario Lopez does Extra or whatever. I mean, who cares? He won Dancing with the Stars, but, like, you know, he's still around, but, but, but you know, um, it's funny because... I was a big fan of both Saved by the Bell and 90210. And so I remember, you know, Brenda Shannon-Doherty left 90210 and she was replaced by Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who now goes by Tiffany Thiessen. And, you know, it was one of those things where she literally went from, you know, NBC Saturday mornings and then they had the terrible college year show to the the you know big bad world of Beverly Hills where she smokes a joint in her first episode and has a sex scene in her second episode and it was one of those things where it was very clearly they're like oh okay we're not on on NBC anymore sorts of things um but her character became you know was was this villain which was so opposite the archetype that she played as Kelly Kapowski you know, that it was it was very funny and, and and I think maybe a little difficult for um It could have been difficult for people to adjust to, but but we did. You know, she did a good job with it. Um, She kind of went through her fat phase a little bit on on 90210. And I hate, like, I'm not trying to be, like, body shaming. I'm just saying there was a period of time where she would gained some weight and maybe shouldn't have been in some of the outfits they had her in. Like, I remember one scene on 90210, they had her in, like, these leather chaps and, like, this Dominatrix outfit. And it was, you know, all women, we go through phases where our bodies don't look awesome, especially when you kind of go through like the freshman 15 period and i think that for her that's just what it what it was cuz she ended up slimming down and looking great but it was one of those things where i just remember being like like 12 or 13 and being like yeah, Tiffany should not have done the dominatrix thing is not a good look for you. Do not do this. Your body is not in shape for this right now.
0: So let's see. So I'm at, such at a some bitch. point at some point you crossed over into the territory where i get scared right um because you know uh you've clearly paid more attention than a normal person would to uh an entire career and then i start thinking about how you can do this with just about any actor <laughs> um but yeah i i'm not uh i couldn't couldn't tell you about anyone's uh fat phases
1: yeah you haven't watched 9020 as much as i have i mean few or people have all. exactly or at all i know that was on reruns and for years and years and i was a huge fan of the show and it's a shame since soapnet went off the air a year and a half ago we haven't had 90210 reruns and it was on netflix for a while but it's not anymore and i think it's on maybe one of the the cbs now subscription service which i'm not going to pay for um so i'm going to wind up i'm going to wind up paying like 200 dollars and getting all of 90210 on dvd but then i'm going to be bothered because they changed the music because they didn't pay for the music rights and even though the music wasn't a huge part of that show like it was with Dawson's Creek or Felicity or or Roswell, it's still gonna annoy me.
0: I'm um, so scared right now. Sorry. Yeah, you're you're, you're a, a a beautiful mind for <laughs> for, for, for television. pop culture for well for can, teen television, yes. Can you give that treatment to Sam Rockwell? What do Ooh, you know about Sam Rockwell?
1: Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and many others. But I just I went back and I watched Confessions Such a uh, good film a couple days ago. And yeah, like there are, I have never not loved him. I absolutely, like relate to and want to, uh, just hang out with and possibly marry him.
1: Yeah, no, he's great, and and I love Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Um, it was George Clooney's first film that he directed, and uh, did a great job with. And um, the, the next being Good Night and Good Luck. But it's uh, he plays uh, Chuck Barris, who um is. Like uh, he was, you know, a the
0: um, newlywed game, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: and and basically he he purported to be a CIA hitman um, in his memoir, which is just bizarre as all get
0: out. Even if it's not true, it made for an amazing movie.
1: Oh, I mean, part of the part of the whole thing is that I mean, think, I think you're watching this and you're like, this guy is full of is is full of it. There's no way any of this happened. Uh, but the movie is fantastic. And no, but he was also in um, the Green Mile. And Moon.
0: Moon was awesome. Did you Moon see Moon? Moon was great. I loved Moon. Oh, his filmography goes forever. He's one of those guys that most people uh didn't even notice till like choke,
1: maybe. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Most people until it was probably choke and then they were like, oh yeah, that guy.
0: He was in like Matchstick Men and Galaxy Quest and he did NYPD Blue. He's 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 been around, but I don't know, like going back now and realizing that every character he plays, oh, what was the um the the more recent kind of summer he played like a lifeguard oh the way way back that's what it was the way way back you should see this okay it's it's kind of a family movie but he's just he's awesome he plays the very aloof uh lifeguard in charge of all of these uh teenage employee lifeguards oh cool and it's not about him it's about uh, the kid uh that that works for him but he's the uh he's hard to explain. But
1: oh and that's that's got a good cast actually. That's uh Steve Carell, Tony Collette, Alison Janney, Rob Cordray, Amanda Pete, who I love. Maya I think Rudolph. I watched
0: it because Cordray was in it and then ended up loving uh Sam as well.
1: Yeah, no, I love Amanda Pete, she's in that. She's one of my yes. favorites.
0: She's Did you see really it? good. She was uh she was um the the inner it, world, right? Yes. Yeah, I liked her in that.
1: I like her in everything. She was my favorite part of uh, Studio Sixty on Sunset Strip.
0: I don't think I saw that.
1: That was, you know, the Aaron Sorkin series.
0: Oh, no, I never saw
1: that. um, uh, It was basically uh, about Saturday Night Live, but it took place in Los Angeles starring Ah. uh, Matthew Perry and uh, Bradley Whitford.
0: Is that still on Netflix? Yes. I will look that up. So Netflix or
1: Amazon, Studio 60, yeah. I mean, it was was a failed show. Sarah Paulson's in it um, because basically Aaron Sorkin wrote it to get over his relationship with Kristen Chenoweth and he made the focus of the series Matthew Perry and Sarah Paulson who unfortunately just don't have good chemistry and um that kind of brought down the whole series it came out it premiered the same year that the 30 rock premiered and they both premiered on NBC at the same time and so there's this kind of this rivalry of the you know drama about SNL and then kind of the the comedy about SNL and they both had very different approaches. And I think initially everybody thought that the Sorkin show was going to win and, and it didn't. It only lasted a season, but Bradley Whitford is really good in it. And, and Amanda Peet is kind of the studio executive or, or you know, kind of the, the producer or whatever. She's really good in it and really likable. I think she's a really likable actress anyway. Um, I really like her.
0: You know what else I went back and watched recently? What's that? Um, intolerable Cruelty.
1: Oh yeah, I I enjoyed that.
0: It was like for a long time it was what I considered to be the funniest movie ever.
1: That was not and a bad movie. Yeah, that, that was that's a that's not a bad one.
0: It kind of faded from my memory. But watching it again, I still think it was. It's just great. Cohen brothers, it uh, really it's is amazing work.
1: It really is. I mean, and, and Clooney, Clooney like, is so good.
0: <laughs> Clooney was awesome.
1: Well, Clooney is. I mean, he's so good in all of the. You know, he was also in um, Oh Brother Where Thou for, for them, and um, and actually, um, and he was also in Burn After Reading, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he was. Um, Everyone um, was in Burn After. Everybody was in Burn After Reading. That was not their best work. No, it wasn't. Um, but um, no. um and Catherine Zeta-Jones is good in that too. Like they're She's good together. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean I have to say that's like one of my favorite like I mean my favorite Clooney film is Out of
0: Sight. You mentioned this. Yes. Why why did this come up?
1: Well, so Tiffany Arment, Marco Arment's wife, was on Twitter, and she was – and neither Marco nor Tiffany follows me on Twitter, and I'm sure they don't listen to this podcast, and so they'll never hear about this. But I follow them both, and I enjoy them both. I think they're both delightful. Anyway, um, she was coming up with a list of movies that Marco hasn't seen and that he should watch, and so she mentioned that he liked heist films and action films, and so I was like, okay, well – out of Sight has to be on your must-watch list because if you, you they, she said, well, of course he's seen Ocean's Eleven. Everyone has, and I thought, okay, well, if you liked Ocean's Eleven, you know, it's a, it's not quite as action-driven, you know, but it's it's Elmore Leonard adaptation. It's Steven Soderbergh, the same guy that directed Ocean's Eleven, and and I think to me, Out of Sight is one of my favorite films of all time. Like it's in my top five, uh, I would say. Um, and
0: I, I do think it was Jennifer Lopez's. Uh, a, a high point in her acting career.
1: I would agree completely. I would agree completely. I mean, in fact, it's actually kind of sad to me that she didn't continue to do to do more acting like that because she's a really talented actress. And anytime anyone says that she's not, I always point out of sight. And I go, no, watch her in this. She is amazing in it. And it's not something you can write off and say, oh, well, she was OK in this part. No, she was great in the whole thing. She was really good. Michael Keaton has a small role, but he's very funny in it. Um, You know, Ethan Zahn is in it, Ving Rhames, Don Cheadle, Albert Brooks. I mean, it's a cavalcade of of, of stars, but it's so well-written, and it's an adaptation. and, And Elmer Leonard is a hard person to adapt. You know, Get Shorty was a good adaptation, but there are bad ones, too. And that one was actually improved, I think, on the source material to a certain extent. And it's really just the chemistry between Lopez and Clooney is just so amazing, like, literally, it's one of those things where they have this scene where they're, you know, meeting in the trunk of a car. And, you know, just it's palpable. It's just – it's 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 amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite films, and it's a really good kind of modern noir film. And, you know, it's, there's kind of a certain melancholiness to it. And um, I really enjoyed it. I also really enjoyed the uh, television show that uh, took the, the Karen Sisko character um, from that film um, – called Karen Cisco, but uh, that did not start Jennifer Lopez. It, it starred uh, Carla Gugino, who I really like, too. Um, there was Somebody wrote something, I guess, about a year ago. I found this when I was kind of going down this rabbit hole where um, they commented that the problem with Karen Cisco is it was a really well-critically kind of acclaimed show, but it was on ABC, and it didn't get a chance, and, and it didn't have great ratings. But it's one of those shows that if it had come out today... It probably would have been on USA or TNT or AMC and probably would have done really well because it but because it debuted before the closer and before kind of the era of more female driven shows like that. um, And because it was on network TV and not cable, you know, it just never got a chance, which is a shame because it was a really good show.
0: That does suck. That's like um, artists who get famous after they die. Yeah. That yeah, it's sad. Everyone should get to be famous for at least a year before they die
1: that that's uh that's what Andy Warhol said well he said 15 well, minutes 15 but...
0: minutes what did you ever see uh Clooney and Dusk Till Dawn yes I always forget how many crazy parts he's had
1: yeah he's got a great career like I
0: think of him as just like this the consummate like big blockbuster actor but he's he's not he has no. an illustrious career of really crazy roles
1: he totally does and, and 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 what I enjoy about him I mean obviously for me you know he was ER um, was actually Roseanne was when I first came across him. I remember thinking the Booker was cute on Roseanne. And if I really Wait, go back... as in
0: like Roseanne Barr?
1: Yeah, because he was he on was, Roseanne. Uh,
0: I never watched that show either, but I would not have guessed that.
1: No, the first season, um, and a little bit of the second season, he was Booker who was kind of the foreman um, at the um, plant where Roseanne and her sister work. And he had kind of a relationship with uh, Jackie, her sister. And he was very funny. And, and um, apparently... Um, when Roseanne was going through fights with the network over the show and they were threatening to fire her and all those sorts of things. It was right around the same time that Valerie Harper was getting kicked off of her show. And so George wrote, uh, and put, put the name on, on Roseanne's dressing room. We put Valerie Harper on her dressing room and, um, apparently that just really made Roseanne laugh and and it was one of those things that kind of like endeared him to her forever which was probably a good move because at that point in his career like he'd done the facts of life and things like that and like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes too, and you know it was kind of a nobody and then he did um, the tv show Sisters and he played a love interest I think for Steele Awards character and um, then that got him cast in ER and then that became the cultural phenomenon that ER was which catapulted him to movies and, and all that kind of thing
0: so you can do this with Clooney, but really, like, Rockwell was kind of a dead end. You you shifted Rockwell to Clooney. I did
1: shift Rockwell to Clooney. That was clever. Rock, Yeah, Rockwell I can't do as nearly as well because I like him a lot, but I don't know anywhere near enough about about him as I do about Tiffany or, or or George Clooney.
0: If it makes you feel better, I can't do that with anybody, not <laughs> even my wife. Like I, I don't. I couldn't even give you that treatment for myself. There are so many huge chunks of my life I don't remember that that kind of detail would be impossible.
1: <laughs> what can I say? I've I've watched a lot of movies and television over the course of my life.
0: Yeah, see, I can say that. I just don't retain the things that you retain. It's amazing. You're a, you're a you're a pop culture Wikipedia.
1: I am. I am. I'm I'm Christinapedia
0: now. I can kind of do that with like uh, uh, various music genre histories
1: see that would be interesting
0: i can do industrial and punk and and rock and roll in general i can do hair metal i can do thrash metal i know a lot of stuff about those i don't know why i retain that stuff but i do talk about tool tool um yeah that's gonna be a tough one for me i remember like i remember tool and i used to know all the band members names and then it got to a point where people started getting the tool tattoos right and then perfect circle happened yes and I, d- I listened to Perfect Circle once and decided that I it wasn't it wasn't for me. I didn't hate it, but sure, it had moved out of the the kind of genre that I was into at that point. Um, and so I I yeah, I, honestly, that's about all I remember.
1: I just remember they have like great lyrics. Like I don't know a ton of Tool songs.
0: I remember one lyric, one line, and and it has to do with blood and feces. <laughs> I I, I honestly don't remember any other words. Is that one of the things you remember all the words to?
1: No, but I mean, but it's one of those things where just they're, you know, Maynard is really, really good. that was his name. Maynard is, he's a really, he's a really good lyricist. I mean, some of their lyrics are just really poetic. I just remember that.
0: I agree. And I heard him do like an unplugged set. And it was, it was, it really let his lyrics shine. And then the Claymation videos. I remember the Claymation videos. Yeah, the Claymation videos, videos were cool. That was at at that point, they were some of the best uh, kind of alternative claymation I'd seen. There were, you know, Gumby and all of these. Right. But then to really, you know, d- uh, demonstrate the uh, prison life. Right. <laughs> in claymation was pretty good. Uh, yeah. And Helmet and all those bands from that era, there were so few that really stood out. Fugazi. It's all Fugazi. Fugazi,
1: I mean. Fugazi is, yeah, that's basically it.
0: Yeah. No, we, we, we won't do rock and roll history right now, but I did uh, I did get the winning answer in bar trivia one night because of, of because of an obscure question about the animals, the band, not my animals. Did you ever hear Jello Biafra with DOA covering we got to get out of this place by the animals?
1: No, I haven't. But that sounds I didn't amazing. Think that.
0: Nobody's heard that. <laughs> You have to you have to dig into the alternative tentacles discography to find that. But
1: I miss Alternative Nation. Remember that um, show on on MTV?
0: Vaguely, yes. That was when like they played Nirvana videos, right? Yeah. Like before Nirvana was okay to play.
1: Exactly. When when it was like otherwise it was like all hair metal all the time. So that like Alternative Nation, they would like it was like that in like 120 minutes where they would play like the Nirvana stuff.
0: Oh, that and Headbangers Ball. Yeah, Yeah. stay up and watch those. Back when I watched M T V. Is there still an MTV? Like there is still as an like MTV. A, a, it's all like uh, like uh, reality shows now, isn't it? It is.
1: Um they, in the morning sometimes they do like MTV AM or whatever where they'll play videos and then there are a number of MTV stations, like MTV hits, MTV jams, MTV like V H one Classic that play music videos.
0: Is there a yo MTV raps channel?
1: No, but the closest thing to that is MTV jams, which is like yo MTV raps. Um and then they go back and forth. You know, some of it is classic stuff, some of it's not. And then there is Palladia, which is a high def channel, which is nothing but like music videos and um behind the musics and MTV unplugs. So
0: have you ever heard Def Jam's um Spotify? Yes uh, app or channel or whatever. Yes,
1: it's awesome.
0: It's really good. It's so they good. They curate it well.
1: No, it's good stuff. I really, I can't wait to see the film straight out of a Compton. They cast Ice Cube's son as him. And so he looks identical. It's, um, I mean, and the thing is, is that apparently Suge Knight was so upset about his portrayal in that movie. That's what led him to get in the altercation that led him to drive over Um, The two people that killed one of the guys that is why he's now in jail on $25 million dollar dollar And will probably eventually, of all the the stuff that he's done, all the illegal things, all the murders he's carried out, he's probably going to wind up going down for involuntary manslaughter or whatever, or or whatever, Um, an attempted murder um, because he was so mad about the movie.
0: Which reminds me, I, I watched the Reno 911 movie again. Yeah, how... how I, I, why, why am I watching all these old movies again? I must have run out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I need to watch uh, the Kimmy Schmidt show. Um, it's it, good. Unbreakable? Yeah, Unbreakable yeah. Kimmy Schmidt. Um, I've only seen like two episodes and I like it. I just haven't had a chance to really get into it.
0: I get that song stuck in my head all yeah. the time.
1: I was a little annoyed with that. And then we're going to get back to you talking about the Reigno 9 movie. But I was a little annoyed that in the opening se- segment of, of that show, they used the same stock footage that they use in the Americans. And a blog pointed this out. And once I saw it, I was just like, you know what, that's so lazy of them. Like, you know, The Americans has been on the air for three seasons now. They've used this kind of clip of of this, this shot of like a little girl, like in a hula hoop um, sort of thing. Like they use that kind of prominently, like use another piece of stock footage. Like how hard is it to not reuse something that's already in another show? But I
0: refuse to let that ruin it for me. It's really good writing.
1: I'm not gonna let it ruin it for me. I'm just saying that is one thing that annoys me. But no, it is good writing. Um I'm I'm looking forward to watching it uh, more in depth. Um I might actually do that tomorrow en route to um
0: Bob's burgers. Nice. But nine one one was brilliant. Yeah, it was. That's was such I mean a big the show, show the show had its ups and downs. Yeah, but it was so funny. It was. And that movie brought it, really it all good. together. It really
1: did. It really did. <laughs>
0: it was So I I don't know. I feel dirty for loving it. Cause it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of low grade humor.
1: It is, but it's so funny. You it know, it does it really well. It though. does it so well. I mean, and that whole show is just in the last season, um, where like after a bunch of them died or whatever, like it was just so <laughs> funny. Um, but I also, I always loved, uh, uh, Wendy Ann um, uh, McClendon, um, Kobe, who she was, um, uh, uh, Clementine on the show and then she was in Bridesmaids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: She's hilarious. Yes. She's on the Goldbergs now or whatever, but she's like she's so funny.
0: I love I li- I liked going back I watched The Goldbergs. It's 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 um charming to me. Um and going back and seeing her on you know 911. Yeah. It's a trip because she she still has the very aggressive personality, but she goes from being like uh getting tattoos on her boobs. And uh, and being drunk all the time to being someone's uh, overprotective mother, and it's quite the uh, quite the career journey.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and she's she's kind of played like she and Nicole Sullivan have like very similar careers.
0: Who's Nicole Sullivan?
1: She was on Mad TV, and then she was on. Um, if you look her up, you'll see her. Uh, she was on she was on Mad TV. She was basically their Amy Poehler. She was on Mad TV for five seasons. Oh and yeah, she was on yeah. the King okay, of Queens, yeah. and she was on Scrubs. Um, and then she was on a she was she had her own show on Lifetime. Rita rocks.
0: Did, did I hear something about Scrubs doing another season? Someone told me something about Scrubs the other day.
1: I can't even remember. I can't even. Rem- okay, let's remotely. pretend.
0: Let's pretend I didn't hear that. Then yeah,
1: because the the, the final season should have happened anyway. Where they yeah, were so like, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean that was one of those things where, frankly, once it got moved to ABC, it sucked. Um, but at least they were able to it went downhill but they were at least able to kind of keep some of it but then and then there was the writer's strike i mean there was a whole bunch of things that happened with that last season um but the um the ninth
0: season was just completely ridiculous um i don't think i even made it to the ninth season i think that I think was the one long... five seasons in, it lost me.
1: You know, it was pretty good up until the end. I mean, the seventh season was tough because that was its last season on NBC, and NBC didn't own the show, ABC owned it, and NBC didn't really have any reason to kind of continue to promote it. Plus, there was the writer's strike that happened, and they only got to do kind of a handful of episodes, and there was like a lot of downtime between that um, done. So, like, um, only 11 episodes up were finished. I'm looking at some on Wikipedia now. And, and six aired before the strike. So it was one of those things where they didn't even know when the show ended if they were going to be able to do a series finale because of the writer's strike. And then um, ABC ended up picking it up for another season. And that was okay. But they all had to take pay cuts and, and other stuff. And at the end of that season, everybody was like, okay, this will be like our last episode. Like we'll be done. And then ABC came back again, and they were like, "Actually, we want to continue." And how they ended up continuing was where like they went to another hospital, and Turk and Doctor um, um, Doctor Cox were, you know, um, teachers teaching uh, interns. I did, I,
0: yeah, that's where I. That's where I. Yeah, off. and that was yeah. just
1: ridiculous. And, and JD was only there a little bit. And everybody was basically just, like, done. I mean, it was just not worth it. It was just ridiculous. And and Scrubs... Honestly,
0: by that point, I was tired of JD, too.
1: Totally, totally. Although, although at that point, like, but then when you don't even get Elliot, you don't even get Janitor, you don't get Ted, you don't get anybody. It's like, it, you know, it's just, because it was such a good show for so long. And the music, um, uh, Federico and I have had conversations about how much we love the music of Scrubs. And, um, which is one of the things that does make it hard to watch on Netflix because they replace a lot of the music. Fortunately, I have it all on DVD. Mm. Yeah. Um, they keep some of it in the first couple of seasons, but then they slowly start to replace more and more. And, um, it'll kind of take me out of it a little bit because the music is so integral to that show. It's kind of like a, again, I always related back to Dawson's Creek, which is one of those shows that I can't watch my DVDs of it other than the first season because they really they replace so much of the music that it literally like makes it impossible for me to watch. I I can't do it, and it sucks because that was one of my favorite shows ever, and it's like completely ruined to time until somebody who has the rights to it puts it in syndication again, and then I can record it digitally and make my own freaking DVDs um, or digital copies or whatever. But until that's until that happens, I'm screwed. Or um, and maybe Moisés can help with this if um. I go to ATX um, Festival this year, there's a Dawson's Creek panel, and I'm hoping that maybe I could hit up the, the writers of that panel and be like, look, I know you guys have a VHS copy of everything somewhere. I will take the time to digitize all 100 and whatever episodes there were. I will take the time to do that. If you get me copies of the tapes, I will like take two weeks out of my life and do that just so I can get the, the, the proper versions with music, but we'll see.
0: That seems like as good a point as any to, to say goodnight.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. So on that note, Christina wants to spend two weeks of her life digitizing Dawson's Creek so she can have the music correct. And that's yes. what I'm going to go to sleep to.
0: Even with the, the wanky kind of uh, VHS wobble to the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, although if I were getting them from master tapes, like from somebody who like, had copies from the network, they might not be that problematic. There you go. We can all, all right.
0: I have to go see uh, that new Cumberbatch movie.
1: Cool. Have My fun. wife's waiting for me. Awesome.
0: I don't even remember what it's called, but it'll be fun.
1: Enjoy it. Thanks.
0: Get some sleep.
1: It's you too, Brett. The system is going down low.